Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, back with another episode here in The Truth, back with another episode of a Thursday night special as we get you guys up and ready for the upcoming Thursday night matchup here in week four as the Detroit Lions travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good on this, on this evening. How are you now? Doing good as well. You know, we got another week of the NFL. You know, I love that we have games Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, you know, when the Monday night game happens, I think the week's done. And then two days later, you know, you're already back for the next week. So it's, it's always fun and exciting. It's also crazy that we're already three weeks into the season. Um, can't believe it's week four already, but I guess that's part of it. The NFL season always does fly by. So for those of you that are new to this Thursday night special, it is basically just completely previewing the Thursday night game. We'll go over both NFL portions as well as fantasy portions as well. So before we do that, though, we'll go ahead and preview last Thursday night's matchup game. Then after that, we'll go over to this Thursday night matchup between the Lions and the Packers. We'll go to two keys to success for Detroit, two keys to success for Green Bay. Then we'll go into our fantasy portion. We'll have our must-starts, must-sits, sleepers, and busts followed by our game prediction. If you guys are ready, let's go ahead and hop into it first by going over week three's Thursday night matchup, another intriguing matchup between the Giants and the 49ers. It was a sadly disappointing, I would say, especially compared to the Thursday night matchup before uh, between the Vikings and the Eagles, and even the Thursday night match before that to kick off the season with the Detroit Lions and the, the Chiefs. So Detroit already two Thursday night games in the season. Speaking on that Giants-Niners game, the Niners did win this one against the Giants, 30-12. to For the New York Giants, Daniel Jones went 22 for 32, 137 yards, zero passing touchdowns, and one interception. Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley's absence rushed the ball four times for an astounding 17 yards and a touchdown. Daniel Jones only two rushes for five yards. On the receiving side, Darius Slayton had three catches for 32 yards to lead the team. Paris Campbell had six catches for 24 yards. And on the defensive side, Micah McFadden picked up nine tackles. Okerke picked up six. Same with Xavier McKinney. Half a sack to Leonard Williams and a full sack to Kayvon Thibodeau. For the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy went 25 for 37, 310 yards, two passing touchdowns and no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, 18 rushes, 85 yards and a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell got some carries, 11 carries for 42 yards. Debo Samuel had six catches for 129 yards and one touchdown. George Kittle finally got going seven catches for 90 yards. On the defensive side, a lot of guys with four tackles, Gibson, Burks, Greenlaw, Lenore, and Ward. Sacks credit to John Hargrave and Nick. Hufunga picks up an interception as well. So for the San Francisco 49ers, a big win there. They improved to 3-0 on the year. The Giants fall to 1-2. Do you have any takeaways from this Thursday night matchup here between the Giants and the Niners? I mean, I think the big one here is the Niners keep on proving that they are that good of a team. Brock Purdy at, uh, shows that he still can be that solid system quarterback. Uh, doesn't do anything where he's going to be a huge game changer for the most part. Obviously, he'll have games where there's a little bit more light on him. But CMC's definitely been relieving a lot of that pressure from the quarterback position. That running game has been solid. Mitchell Elijah Mitchell got some carries. I think that's due mainly because of the blowout there. But, I mean, we're seeing Kittle get in the mix a little bit, uh, Debo get in the mix, Ayuk get in the mix, especially early on in the season. Uh, but you also saw, like, this Giants defense has not been good. We saw in that game where they allowed 40 to the Cowboys. Uh, the offense has been missing Saquon Barkley. That wasn't 
good showing there. Daniel Jones didn't rush as much as I expected him to, especially with not having Saquon there. I believe what you said, two attempts for five yards. So not much out of Daniel Jones there. I think been my takeaway for every Giants game has been make Daniel Jones make plays, and he clearly hasn't shown he's been able to do that yet. Yeah, the Giants didn't look very good. So much for my prediction of the Giants winning this game here by 10. But I think more than anything, the San Francisco 49ers just look like by far the best team in football. <laughs> I mean, they have so many great things going for them on the offensive side, obviously, on the defensive side as well. And there's just like so many great things revolving around them. And I think for them, it's just one of those things that it doesn't seem like it's going to let up anytime soon, which is very, very, very concerning for a lot of teams in the NFL. I think they're on like a win streak too in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They've done nothing but succeed and they're doing it on both sides of the ball. And for the Giants, they're sitting at one and two, two pretty bad losses there to start the season. They obviously came from behind with a win against Arizona, but they haven't looked great either. So it's kind of one of those interesting situations where like, I just don't really know what to expect out of this Detroit Lions team. I mean, I mean, the Detroit Lions, the San Francisco, I mean, wow, the New York Giants. I just don't know what to expect from them because I think they're one of those teams that going into the season, there's a high expectation for them, but they just haven't performed to that expectation yet. So who really knows, but it was another disappointing loss from they're going to obviously want to rebound going into this week. Anyways, we our Thursday night matchup for this week here in week four is the Lions and Packers as mentioned. So go ahead and give me your two keys to success for the Detroit Lions. So my first key to success is going to be have that running game going. Last week, they missed David Montgomery due to an injury. Uh, he's still questionable, if I'm not wrong, going into this game, having that short week, not having the full week to go uh, to potentially get back in this game. But uh, Jamar, or Jameer, Jameer Gibbs sorry, uh, did hold his own, 17 rush attempts, 80 yards, uh, career high in both of those there, receiving only one reception, two yards. So they were able to have a respectful running game against the Falcons. I mean, the Falcons' defense isn't much there anyways. Uh, but either way, I mean – Gibbs ha- uh, did his own thing there. He had a career high in touches, uh, career high in yards there, rushing. And they gave it around to a couple other guys. Craig Reynolds had some rush attempts. Uh, Zavon Knight also as well. Uh, Goff had a rushing touchdown there. So having that rushing game is going to be a big part, especially set up this offense. Goff did throw his first interception in like almost 400 pass attempts or something along those lines. It was a crazy number that he had before he threw an interception. So did have his first one of the year. But I don't expect him to be that turnover. Now turn this huge turnover guy who's going to have an interception every game. He should be fine. Yeah, you know, for me, the the two keys to success I have for the Lions, the first one is Laporta, the silent killer. Look, tight end out of Iowa has been nothing but fantastic for the Lions. And I said that going into it. And I know you kind of not necessarily agreed to it as of late, but had um had obviously agreed with me that I was right because I'm I'm always right. But Laporta's been great for the Lions. I mean, he's one of those guys that's consistently getting targeted. He got his first receiving touchdown last week and Jared Goff really trusted him. And I think the Detroit Lions have always trust, trusted their tight ends. Think of TJ Hawkinson before they ended up trading him over to Minnesota. Um, they threw to him a lot, especially like his kind of coming out party as well. So there was a lot of you know expectations with Sam Laporta going into the season. And I think Amon Ra's production's been there, but maybe not as much as I would expect 
expect here through week three. But Sam Laporta is one of those guys that a lot of people are starting to pick up in their fantasy leagues. You should have drafted him in your fantasy league. Um, but if you haven't and he's still available on waivers, I definitely recommend getting him. There's a lot of upside with him, obviously, coming from a great tight end school in Iowa. And more than anything, just the way that he's incorporated into this offense, he's a guy that's you know going to get six receptions a game. Um, he's going to you know get a good amount of yards, and I think his touchdowns are going to continue to climb as well. So there's just a lot of great things there. So for, I guess, my first key to success, long story short, is get the young tight end involved. And honestly, it's get the young tight end involved for both sides because Luke Musgrave, also the rookie for the Packers, has been solid as well. Um, but if the Lions are able to do that, you know, I think it's going to be a very, not necessarily easy battle, but it's going to help out a lot and make things a lot easier for them. And then my second key to success for the Lions is just the offensive firepower um, that they need to possess there against the Packers' defense. Because, look, the Lions do have a good defense, but I don't think the Packers have a tremendous offense. And so this is a perfect opportunity for the Lions to really, you know, put um, put the ball down their throat. Pause, of course. But really just suffocate that defense. Again, pause. Um, but really just score a lot of points for against the Packers. If they're able to do that, I mean, we saw the, the Packers' offense, I believe it was last week against the San, uh, New Orleans Saints, struggle and then finally get, get going towards the end. And if they're able to score 24, 25 points, I think the Packers are done for, especially if they start off slow. So being able to use their offensive firepower and then have success there is going to be something that's really going to determine whether or not they have success in this matchup here or not. Okay, what about your two keys to success for the Packers? So my two key success for the Packers is going to be wide receiver play. I believe that uh, Christian Watson uh, is supposed to be making his season debut. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of talks that there's a good chance he will be back. Uh, the wide receiver play last week uh, wasn't bad. Dobbs had five receptions, 73 yards, touchdown. Jalen Reed three catches, 63 yards. Musgrave uh, six catches, 49 yards. Uh, just along those lines, I mean, guys were solid, but no one had a huge game. Dobbs did have that touchdown, though, uh, that separates him there. So, like, five catches. But Christian Watson is going to be a key part of this offense. Uh, I mean, there's trades about uh, potentially trading Christian Watson for Jonathan Taylor or something along those lines because uh, with the whole Colts thing, getting rid of him, they'd be able to get a young wide receiver. We saw it last year, uh, his, big, his big play potential that he has. The other one's going to be O-line health. Uh, I believe Batiari, uh, they're starting left tackle and then their right tackle. Both us game versus the Saints were both out during that game. And the O-line play was fair, it was solid as a whole. Uh, in that time, they didn't allow too many pressures. Uh, I don't believe the Saints had many sacks against the uh, – I believe they just had the one sack. So being able to have O-line play with losing Batiari – uh, and their other uh, starting tackle, their right tackle as well, uh, was good to see there. And they're going to need to keep that up. If Bontiari is back and their normal uh, starting right tackle, I don't remember his name, uh, are back, I think they'll be in a better position because they, the, what they have right now, they didn't allow many pressures against the Saints. So my first key to success to the Green Bay Packers is going to get the, get the offense going early. I mean, obviously it was very slow against the Saints, but – this Packers team, as mentioned, isn't a team that's going to be able to come from behind. And you look at the Detroit Lions and you see that they are a high-powered offense. So you don't want to obviously fall behind in general, but especially to a team like the Detroit Lions, especially an interdivisional rival at home. You know, like there's just no need for that. You got the all the advantage in the world at Lambeau Field. And on a, I believe it's still September by the time this game's played, but getting close to, you know, October, November night there in Lambeau Field. 
But nonetheless, the offense has got to get going early. It does help that Christian Watson is expected to play, which is helping. I'm not sure about Aaron Jones' status. I think the last thing I read was he is more than likely um, available in this matchup, which would be huge. Even if he's not, A.J. Dillon's a reliable option as well. So get the running game going. Get Jordan Love comfortable in the pocket. Just get the offense going. Because if they're able to get the offense going early, they're in a far better position than if their offense is very stagnated and um, you know, they continue to struggle. Because then, as mentioned, the Packers are just not necessarily built to come from behind so easily uh, per se and then finally take the ball away from Goff I think Goff still has that streak going of like pass attempts without an interception getting a takeaway or two especially at home could be the difference for winning this game and losing this game you know as my favorite team the Vikings is in the NFC North division I know what one turnover can do to change completely the course of the game and this is even more true with a Lions-Packers matchup look the last time these two teams squared off at Lambeau Field the Lions crushed the Packers' postseason dreams, quite literally, in Sunday Night Football. So there's obviously going to be a little bit of revenge there on their mind. They're going to want to avenge their loss. And, you know, with their new era quarterback there, Jordan Love, you know, get on the right foot forward there. And taking away the, the ball away from Goff is going to be huge, obviously, for multiple reasons. But more than anything, just getting the ball back in the offense's hand. And especially if the offense is rolling the way that it did early on to start the season, I think this is a perfect opportunity for the Packers to win the game. Because if they get too far behind, as mentioned, they're not built enough to kind of come from a 20-point lead or some, a deficit or something like that. And so they're going to end up struggling, and it's just not going to be fun to watch if you're a Packers fan. But if they're able to get the offense going and they're able to take a, get a takeaway or two from Jared Goff, this team's in a far better position. So don't really know how it's going to go. That's kind of how I felt like the Packers season has gone so far because I didn't think the Packers – not necessarily wouldn't win a game, but would, would start off the way that they did, at least with a 2-1 record. All right, let's move into the fantasy portion. Go ahead and give me your must-start or must-starts. So my must-starts, I have two of them here. I think Sam Laporta now at this point. As you mentioned, I think a lot more people have been picking up, picking him up, especially uh, with last week's game, uh, getting his first touchdown, which I did, do believe I did call in one of our last fantasy episodes. I said that he would get his first touchdown this week. Uh, or last week at this point. Laporta at this point uh, in three games, 18 receptions, 160, 186 yards and a touchdown there. So a good amount of yards, good amount of catches. He's getting involved in the games. He's averaging six catches per game, so uh, reliable there. Having a good amount of yards as well, I believe, over 60 yards, pushing almost seven, uh, or, or right, sorry, right, a little bit over 60 yards per game. Uh, only one touchdown, so it hasn't been that much of red zone uh, threat up to this point he did have a long touchdown I believe it was like a 40 something yard uh, touchdown was the one he had last week so he hasn't had many red zone targets but I really don't mind that and then my other one if you have this guy I think more of an obvious one but Amonra keep on starting him uh, he may not have the yards or the touchdowns through the first three games uh, compared in comparison to other guys but with 275 yards and the one touchdown but he has 21 uh, receptions up to this point, which is seven per game. So if you're in PPR, it's seven points right there. The 275 yards uh, is right around, I believe, what, 80 yards per game. Uh, so just within that, you're getting 15, 15-ish points just from uh, the receptions and the uh, yards. And the touchdowns are going to come, are starting, are starting, or should start coming, uh, I believe, with this offense. That there isn't many other wide receiver options. Golf hasn't been the best uh they haven't been the best when they've gone to red zone uh passing wise i think they've gone to the ground game a, a little bit more when they have gone to the red zone uh giving it to guy like gibbs golf like i said golf rushed one in last week uh but last week i mean basically all the yards went to laporta and 
Amonra out of the 243, uh, 186 of those yards went to Amonra and uh, Laporta. And also last week, uh, I get the Packers last week against tight ends. They they were solid. I mean, the Saints don't have a good tight end. Uh, between Juwan Johnson, Taysom Hill, and, and Jimmy Graham, they allowed four catches with just over 30 yards there. They did have the one touchdown they given up to Jimmy Graham. So there is that upside there with Laporta as well. Amonra, uh, or sorry, Crystal Lave and Michael Thomas also had a good game. Had good games receiving right wise against uh, the Packers defense. So Lave had eight catches, 104. Michael Thomas six catches, uh, 50 yards. So Monroe is definitely a combination between Lave, Michael Thomas, more of the overall reception shorter game with like Michael Thomas, but it can also have the explosive like Crystal Lave, which the Packers had a problem against last week. So I got four must starts. It's kind of weird to do four must starts, especially in the NFC North battle on Thursday night football, but. LaPorta, I've already talked a lot about him. It's just common sense for what I've talked about, what you've talked about, averaging six catches a game. And he's just going to give you consistency, and that's what you need at the tight end position. I'm also going to go with a tight end and Luke Musgrave. Look, I like Luke Musgrave a lot. I picked him up in a couple of my leagues. It reminds me a lot of Robert Tanyan for multiple reasons, just game play as in general, but just in the grand scheme of things with the Packers and a young quarterback establishing a connection there with Luke Musgrave. And you look at the tight end room, especially in fantasy purposes, and really it's like Travis Kelsey on his own island and then everybody else. So there's okay, there's an okay chance to take a risk. And Luke Musgrave is one of those guys you want to take a risk on because he is a young tight end. And young tight ends t- tend to thrive to have more success, especially early on in their fantasy season. So, you know, I think Luke Musgrave with this matchup here against Detroit, it's going to be a good matchup for him. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to, you know, be a top five tight end this week. I think a lot of people are maybe not necessarily not giving him credit, but he's gradually gotten better for the most part. Eight points in week one, 10.9 points last week against the Saints. And Detroit is known to and being prone to giving up fantasy points for the tight end position. So we'll see what happens there, especially with an unhealthy secondary um, with guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson out. I know that kind of focuses more on the wide receivers, but still, uh, that opens up a lot of opportunity for success from Luke Musgrave. I'm also going to go with Aaron Jones. This one's an obvious one, especially if he is healthy and good to go. We are recording this on Wednesday night. At the moment, it says he's listed as questionable. I think he is going to go. If Aaron Jones can't go, then A.J. Dillon is one of those guys that you obviously should be starting regardless. Uh, but definitely in this matchup here against the Detroit Lions. I do like Aaron Jones a lot. A lot of people don't. I think a lot of people are scared of maybe the shared carries between Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. I shouldn't necessarily say shared carries, but shared touches. I don't think you got to worry about that anymore if you're a Packer fan. Um, obviously, it was something to worry about early on, but not as much now because, uh, you know, Aaron Jones is the main running back there, and, and that was emphasized by Matt LaFleur early on. Even though they kind of did have conflicting interests at times, he is going to be the main running back there, which is exciting for fantasy owners. And then finally, Jared Goff. Look, you want a guy that's going to throw for a good amount of yards and not turn the ball over, Jared Goff's your guy. Jared Goff, it reminds me of, like, Geno Smith from last year. He's just consistent. He's not going to run for a lot. Maybe you'll get a rushing touchdown sneaking in or something like that. But, you know, not going to he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be, you know, a reliable option. He's going to get you a solid 15 points, which if you need to take a risk at the quarterback position, I think that's an appropriate one to do. I think Jared Goff, like I said, obviously has a lot of potential to be a top five fantasy quarterback throughout the season, but more so uh, in this week here against Detroit. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to be great this week. And I'm really liking the matchup for uh, Jared Goff against his Packers defense, even though it's an interdivision matchup on Thursday night football, I still think it's a good matchup. He showed 
well in, enough in prime time against the Chiefs in the first Thursday night game. So I don't see why he wouldn't do as good, um, maybe even better potentially against you know, the Packers uh, in this week. Okay, your must-sit or must-sits? So for my first must-sit, it's someone who you uh, talked about as you thought it should be more of a must-start. I'm going to go with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, I was high, really high on him coming into this year. Uh, I drafted him a lot if you watch the mock drafts, and he's been really underwhelming. Uh, so far in three games, 39 carries, only 107 yards. He's having, averaging 2.7 yards per carry, which isn't good in comparison to his other averages where he's over four the last two years, a little bit over five his rookie year. He also doesn't have a single uh, touchdown rushing Receiving games uh, isn't much there either, like how it was the last couple of years where he was improving in that spot. Three In three games, he has three catches for 25 yards. So not much there. And he's going up, going up against a very solid defense in the Lions. Uh, last week against the Falcons, we know how much uh, the Falcons passed to B. John Robinson. In this game, uh, B. John Robinson had four catches for 27 yards. So the receptions were there, but... If Aaron Jones also comes back, he's going to be more primarily uh, going to be in the sets with the receiving back uh, compared to A.J. Dillon uh, whenever they do call those plays. And I do believe they're, they're very optimistic about uh, Aaron Jones coming back. So there's a good chance that Dillon's touches could also go down. Uh, it also doesn't help that Dillon has been part of an offense that has been slower, as you mentioned before. This team isn't really built to be able to come back into games once they're down a lot. And once you're down a lot, you're not going to be running a whole lot. So it's going to be a problem there as well. The other guy is going to be Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones hasn't really done a whole lot. I've, I didn't really expect him to do a whole lot. Maybe if you're in a deeper league and there's a chance that you thought that he could come back, be one, not better, but he could do what he kind of did a couple years ago, uh, I believe with Matt Stafford it was when he did it. But Marvin Jones really hasn't done anything up to this part of the year. Uh, he is older at this point. He only has two receptions for eight yards. He isn't used in many of these sets. It's really just like Sam Laporta, Amon Ra, uh, Cleef Ram- Ra- Raymond, and then uh, Josh Reynolds, I believe, are like the four main ta- targets, and then Jameer Gibbs here and there out of the backfield. Uh, so outside of those – like three or four guys uh, and Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield. Uh, Jared Goff really has been throwing the balls at anyone else. So if you do have guys like Monra and Laporta start them, but if you have anyone else who's on this offense for the receiving game wide receiver wise, I'd really start straying away from them. If they still have really any value in your fantasy league, which there probably isn't much, but they're you're able to throw them into a trade package to get someone else. I would try to do that and just get rid of them now. Yeah, so I'm going to go with my two must that's going to both be on the Packers. I'm going to go with Jordan Love first and foremost. I've never been a big Jordan Love fan. I think he's been an all right fantasy quarterback, but I didn't really like Aaron Rodgers as a fantasy quarterback when he was at Green Bay, not because Aaron Rodgers isn't a Hall of Famer, but because when the Packers have success, I mean, they run the football very efficiently. I think there is some optimism with Jordan Love this week, particularly with Christian Watson coming back um, from injury. But for me, I'm still not buying it. I think his biggest value is going to come from his rushing you know, ability and his ability to rush the football at the quarterback position. And that's obviously a very important thing and, and part of, I feel like, quarterbacks in today's society. But for me, it is one of the things that I'm a bit worried about. 
I think he is a guy that, you know, can have good success. But how well is he going to play there in Lambeau Field? It's definitely something that I've been thinking about. It's something that I'm going to try to shy away from. And speaking of that, I'm also going to go with Romeo Dobbs. Look, Romeo Dobbs reminds me a lot of Christian Watson last season. And what I mean by that is just Romeo Dobbs is one of those guys that, or Christian Watson, I should say, has probably like three receptions, three receiving touchdowns. This year, Romeo Dobbs in week one had four catches, 26 yards and two touchdowns. Last week, five catches and a touchdown. What I mean is he's going to be a very streaky player. And now that Christian Watson's back, I think he's going to get, you know, the bulk of the, the shares, the bulk of the, the receptions there from Jordan Love. And that was who Jordan Love obviously targeted a lot in the in the preseason and, and getting, you know, in training camps and all that stuff. So I think Romeo Dobbs' production is going to go down. And again, I don't like starting these streaky guys because that's exactly what they are. They're streaky. And you never really know what you're going to get out of them. Obviously, you want to get a lot of great things, but I don't know exactly, you know, what, you're going to get out of a guy like Romeo Dobbs, especially with Christian Watson back. If Christian Watson wasn't back, I may argue this point. I, I may say that you don't have to worry about Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs because they'll be just fine. So we'll see what happens down the line, but I'm still shying away from those two guys. Okay, what about any sleepers? So I have two sleepers. My first one's going to be Luke Musgrave. Yeah, you talked about him earlier. So far in three games, 11 catches with 15 targets, so very high catch percentage there, 124 yards. Last week was his best game to this point, having six catches for 49 yards, so 10.9 fantasy points there uh, in PPR leagues. And I think that with a team like the Lions, they had a problem last week uh, against the tight ends, against the Falcons. Uh, Kyle Pitts had his best game, and we've seen how bad he's been recently. Uh, He had five catches for 41 yards. Uh, and Johnny Smith, five catches for 37 yards. With Musgrave, with Musgrave being really the only true tight end uh, that's even considerable to be uh, go pick up off waivers or draftable when drafts were happening, uh, and Kyle, uh, between those two, Pitts and Smith, they had 10 catches for 78 yards, which each one of them individually uh, were the top two uh, last week in catches and in receiving yards against the Lions. With Musgrave being in the game where they're probably going to be down early on, they're going to have to pass. I think Musgrave's a good option uh, underneath, especially with Watson coming back. It's going to relieve a lot of pressure uh, off of the off of other positions like Musgrave. And with the Lions already having a problem last week against two tight ends who haven't been good all year uh, in Pitts and Johnny Smith, I think that Musgrave could uh, is going to have better season than both of them. And then my second one is going to be Jared Goff. Jared Goff up to this point, five touchdowns, two interceptions, 819 yards. He isn't going to be a guy who's going to turn over the ball a lot. I know he has two touch or two interceptions already this year uh, to five touchdowns. Uh, but like I said before, he had a, at some point he would over 300 snaps with that or 300 pass attempts without an interception. Interceptions at this point in his career have, are more far few far from less uh, what you're going to see. He's uh, matured a lot more compared to where he, where he was before. He's more of a leader at this point. He also has guys like Laporta now and Monroe. We've got more trustable guys who aren't going to drop the ball. He's going to rely on them to fit into tight windows and be able to uh, make, make more dangerous passes without having the risk of an interception. And last week against uh, the Packers, the Saints had Derek Carr and Jameis Winston both play. Carr went down with an injury. But between the two of them, they were 23 for 39, I believe it was. 23 for 39 with 204 yards and touchdown. I think Goff uh, playing the whole game, 
not splitting time between two quarterbacks, I think could easily get close to 300 yards and at least two touchdowns this week. So he's more of a sleeper. Uh, if you're in a, if you have him on your team on the bench, you're kind of between a bigger guy than him. I think golf uh, does have more of a higher floor than a lot of other quarterbacks in the league, uh, but his ceiling isn't as high. So my first one I'm going to do is I'm going to go with Jameer Gibbs. Now I like Jameer Gibbs a lot. I mean, I didn't like him, but I've seen the production that he's gotten and he really hasn't gotten much production, at least to where his, his standards could be, which that really excites me as a, you know, J- uh, Jameer Gibbs fantasy owner. I think his, his production is only going to go up from here. Obviously he's going to be able to continue to be, you know, the, the main running back, or not necessarily the main running back, but one of the main running backs there. And David Montgomery is questionable. I did see a report, I think it was last week, that he could potentially miss multiple weeks. So even if he does give it a go this week and is able to play, I don't think his production is going to be there tremendously. And Jameer Gibbs is going to be a good PPR back to use. Like I said, I wasn't a big fan of Jameer Gibbs from the get-go, but I do think this week particularly, it's going to be important for Jared Goff and that offense to run through Jameer Gibbs and guys like that. So I think Jameer Gibbs is poised for a much better performance and a much more consistent performance. So I think people that are a bit skeptical about Jameer Gibbs don't have to worry too much this week. Next, I'm going to go with Josh Reynolds, uh, another one of the Detroit Lions players here. You know, Josh Reynolds is the 38th position ranked wide receiver. He didn't get a single point last week. You know, before that, he had five catches, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. But before that, four receptions, 80 yards. So you look at that and you see that he's going to get volume. The biggest thing with him this week is how much. Sky Moore was the same thing, zero fantasy points and after week one, and everyone was pressed to the panic button. Then he actually had a pretty solid week two. So there is a lot of opportunity for him to have success here. Is it going to be tremendous success? Probably not. But is it going to be consistent success and somebody that you could put your flex position? I do believe so. Because he had 12 points, 23 points. Jared Goff obviously likes to target him. So why would he not have success just because he had a bad week? I don't think that's fair to say. I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to have a successful week. And it's not just because that he obviously had zero fantasy points last week. More than anything, he's a, he's a great option there for, for them to use. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do for the Detroit Lions this week. And then my final sleeper is going to be Christian Watson. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Christian Watson just because um, you know, he's coming back from injury. And I guess there's maybe not a lot of expectations. There's been a long time coming for Christian Watson to be playing this this year and so it's nice for Packers fans and Christian Watson's fans to see him back and I think a lot of people get a little bit skeptical just because of injuries and you know maybe he's not going to be fully healthy or maybe he's not going to be able to be you know the Christian Watson that he was last season but I do believe so as mentioned he has a good connection with Jordan Mothers it was discussed previously through training camp and just overall you know seeing those two work with each other so I think that connection is going to be there and there's going to be a lot of opportunity for for him to have success especially this week here um, against a very reliable team in the Detroit Lions. Okay, what about any bus? Uh, so I have two bus. I think they were the what you're saying. They were the same as both of your uh, must sits. Jordan Love's going to be the first one. First two weeks of the year, he went up against the Chicago Bears defense and Atlanta Braves defense. Each game put up three touchdowns. Uh, first game of the year, 245 yards. Second game against Atlanta, 151 yards. Last week against the Saints, one t- against a better defense compared to Atlanta and Chicago. had Did still have a touchdown, but also an interception. Uh, he did have his most yards at 259, but they were behind him while that game, so all those yards came from really no running game because it wasn't necessary. His rushing game wasn't bad last week. He did have nine rush attempts. I think most of it was playing the pocket, uh, but with 39 rush yards and one rushing touchdown, 
So I did finish with two touchdowns on the day, but I don't really expect that to happen. Uh, this Lions defense is solid, and I don't, like I said, I don't see it happening, him having a multi-touchdown game this week. There's a chance that he doesn't even throw a touchdown unless until probably like the fourth quarter or something. Uh, they just kind of have a drive where they go down, and it's a little bit more scripted. And my last one's going to be Romeo Dobbs for the same reason uh, that you talked about. Christian Watson's coming back. I think Luke Musgrave's going to have uh, a better – are more of a game plan coming into this year. He does have loving catches for 129 yards, three touchdowns, but he's like Watson last year where he was very touchdown reliant uh, on the big play. He had a touchdown last week uh, against the Saints. And then I believe what you say, he had two touchdowns in one game itself uh, there against Chicago in week one. Uh, I don't see that happening. He did have a season high in 12 targets, but with Watson back, a lot of those are going to go away. And I think a lot of them are going to go to Watson and Musgrave in, in comparison to Dobbs. So I'm not going to go with one bus. I think it's going to be Marvin Jones. Like Marvin Jones has been very disappointing just in general this season for fantasy owners. And really even for the Detroit Lions, he has 0.8 fantasy points this season. And this is one, two catches for eight yards, unless, you know, obviously a PPR league than 2.8. Um, but yeah, he's been very disappointing this season. He hasn't had a catch in his last game as well which is something that's extremely concerning especially for fantasy owners and I just don't see him having success this week here I don't think it's a good opportunity for him obviously I think the Lions offense wants to continue to get guys like Amon Ron involved Sam Laporta and so it's just a lose-lose situation for him to be put in it kind of sucks because I do believe he is a good wide receiver it's just one of those tough situations that he's been put in Obviously, Jackson is a lot better, and I think there was a higher expectation with Detroit, and it just hasn't happened just yet. doesn't mean that it's never going to not happen, but I think it is going to take some time, which uh, I know fantasy owners can't really, can't really deal with. So uh, we'll see if that time is, is able to become anything sooner, if it's just going to be consistent like this. Okay, what about your game prediction? So for my game prediction, I have the Lions winning this game. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. Uh, up until like the third quarter, and then it's going to kind of simmer down. The Lions are going to try to run out the clock. I'm going to say it's going to be 28 to let's go 10. And it's the touchdown, uh, like I said before, I don't think it's going to come from love. I think it may be a rushing touchdown by AJ Dillon, uh, if they do get one, but it could be even lower score game. Could they could just get a couple of field goals, like three field goals, two or three there, but I don't see the Packers offense really moving the ball a lot uh, really that well I think the Lions are kind of going to get their lead and just kind of run the clock as much as they can I'm gonna go with 27-21 I think that the Lions are winning this game and I also think the Lions are gonna win this game like 27-13 to and then the, the Packers will get some garbage time touchdown go for two and, and still lose I think it's going to be a pretty good domination here by Detroit I think Detroit's just better in general and I'm really excited to see what Detroit's going to do in Green Bay. Obviously, we saw what they were able to do last season at Green Bay. And I think this season is going to be magnified just a little bit more. Um, like I said, I'm just curious to see more than anything how these teams are going to play in Green Bay and if they're going to be able to handle the adversity. And I think they will. I think this is a team that is really you know, competitive this season. I mean, right now the Vikings are 0-3, who I thought was going to win the division. So 
it might be the Lions up for the division right now. The Packers are also 2-1, and one, so it could be them too. So it's kind of a big game here, especially early on in Week 4 for the NFC North. But it should be fun. It should be exciting. It should be a good matchup here. I'm still going to go with the Lions winning this one. But it really could be the Packers too. The Packers are able to kind of flip a switch and, and have success in this week here. But I do think that the Packers are going to lose this game here at home. I think they're the Lions are going to continue to get the best of them, especially in Lambeau Field. And I know Vikings fans like myself would be excited to hear that. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter. The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Huston, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.